Welcome to the Diverse Minds Podcast, where we give you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to be a mentally healthy and inclusive leader. Each week, you'll hear about a variety of topics linked to mental health, well-being, and diversity that will enhance both your professional practice and personal well-being. Welcome to the 144th episode of the award-winning Diverse Minds Podcast. And as we approach the end of Mental Health Awareness Month, I wanted to pick up on a topic I can get asked about in training sessions that links people to not being able to speak about their mental ill health or feeling that they're going to be punished at work. It's about suspicion and thinking people are faking their mental ill health. And just remember, before we get started, I really love to hear from you as listeners. So please, why not connect with me on Facebook at Diverse Minds UK, on Twitter at Diverse Minds UK, LinkedIn, I have a Diverse Minds business page and my name, Leila Okai. And did you know there's an Instagram podcast page and the handle is at Diverse Minds Podcast. I love hearing from listeners and I love knowing what you're up to, what you're doing, what you think of things. And in particular on the Instagram podcast page, you can catch up with previous episodes if you haven't listened to them and hear snippets of those episodes to see if you're interested in them. Okay, so why the topic of what if they're faking it? So I remember about four years ago, I delivered the two-day adult mental health first aid training for a large insurance company. And it was very fascinating because one of the delegates was absolutely fixated with people faking mental ill health, so much so that actually the cohort and myself didn't feel that she was able to be a mental health first aider in the right way because of her suspicion, unfortunately. And the delegates, I mean, her included, were really open and willing to share their lived experience of supporting people with mental ill health. But she was really kept asking this question. And at least eight times during the session, she said, what do you do if they're faking it? What, you know, what do you do? And she was clearly very concerned as a manager. How would you manage this? And when do you call it out? Um, I did answer the question in the same way each time um, and other delegates also chipped in and were kind of backing up what I was saying and tried to reassure them. And I wanted to touch on this again, as I mentioned earlier, as it really impacts people's ability, if there's a sense of someone's faking it, to not only manage well, but the person, the individual talking about any kind of mental ill health and seeking support from their workplace as part of the package. And in my experience, it's extremely rare that someone fakes mental ill health. I mean, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. Of course, there are unfortunately people who don't want to come to work, people who shirk off. Many of us will have experienced this. But I think faking mental health to escape work or gain a redundancy package is very bizarre to me. In fact, if anything, uh, people try and hide it. They keep a mask on. They're desperate to stay in work as it can be part of their recovery package. Really, what I found is that staff don't ask for help when experiencing mental ill health. And we know too often people suffer in silence. One of the things I talk about is it's far easier to suffer in silence than actually ask for help because you might be terrified of losing jobs. And if redundancy is an option, I think more often than not, I've had people talk to me and they might want to take redundancy without kind of mentioning any mental health issue and think, I'm going to take the money, I can live on that for a couple of months and get myself the support I need while I'm not in this workplace. And that is far, far more common. So I do realize that when organizations go through mergers, acquisitions and changes, stress rates do go up, particularly as most organizations don't tend to communicate this change very effectively. You do see that morale dips, people be 
are signed off work. There's vulnerability to redundancy because, of course, if roles are duplicated and triplicated, organizations like to, if you like, cut off the fat. I don't think of it that way, which can be a symptom of this. But this isn't faking it. And being at a point where someone needs to look after their well-being and detach from an unpleasant work environment isn't faking mental ill health as well. But I do think as colleagues, managers and and or mental health first aiders, whether you manage a team or not, it is not our role to judge or medically diagnose anyone, except, of course, if you are a medical practitioner or you're from occupational health or occupational therapy and you're working in conjunction with different medical practitioners. But it is about spotting the signs and having that supportive conversation. Um, And if someone is quote unquote faking it, it may not be mental ill health, but there may still be an issue that person needs to come to terms with. And what's the role that the organization can play? And remember, last week's episode was all about why won't they get help? So if you know someone like that or you're supporting a group of people like that, that might be a useful episode for you to go and listen to episode 143. But what it is about, whether you feel it could be mental ill health, a diagnosed condition, or they're not mentally optimum, is about being able to discuss the options available to them and signpost them to the relevant resource. Um, And this can make people very, very nervous. But remember, it's better to try and have a conversation, even if it doesn't go perfectly. I mean, which conversation does? Then to jump to conclusions and say oh yes they're faking it let's let's go down the punishing route because that really isn't going to improve morale or let someone open up so I really hope you're enjoying the content of this podcast and you want to keep up to date with my work, then please, why not join my bi-monthly newsletter? When you join my mailing list, you'll receive a free copy of my ebook, The Mentally Healthy Leading Manager. So why not join my mailing list? The link is bit.ly forward slash dmsynr. Okay, so what can we do then to support people and not jump to these conclusions or, in fact, have conversations with other managers and people in our team if they jump to this conclusion? So remember, if you see any changes in a team member or colleague or your suspect, I don't want to use the word suspicious, uh, I want to say if you're concerned about someone or if you think something doesn't feel quite right. Don't be afraid to find a space away from the desk and ask how they are. And it really is that simple. So asking, how are you? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. And then going back and saying, no, how are you really? So this is a really good thing to do. And there's some good resources available as well. One that I share a link to is Mental Health First Aid's Take 10 Together Toolkit, and I'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, You can ask them about their routine. You can ask them about how things are going. You can just be a colleague, (laughs) a supportive colleague, and have a conversation with them. Now, if someone says, look, I'm fine, I don't really want to talk to you, you can say to them, okay, yeah, I totally get that. You know, if you do want to talk to me, you know where I am. And there are other resources in our workplace. You could talk to them about that. It might not be relevant because they might just say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. I've got things going on at home. And sometimes people don't really respond well to us referring them in that moment to mental health support lines. But we can say, all right, yeah, no worries. But if you do need support, there are quite a few resources here. I'm really happy to send you the link or I'm happy to listen when you're ready to talk. But most big employers will have that. So look up those resources and don't forget service lines such as professional advice lines, such as Samaritans, Sane Line, Mind, Anxiety UK, etc. And 
you know, we, it's just sometimes giving people the space to download and asking them what might be going on and not solutionizing and not giving advice. And I've mentioned it in every episode recently, but please don't forget episode 97, listening to support. And that gives you some really good frameworks about asking open questions and doing that sort of work. Now, what about if they do open up to you? So if they do open up to you and they're struggling, whether it's, again, a diagnosed mental health condition or they're not mentally optimum, then why not talk about what kinds of workplace adjustments could be made for them? Now, the term reasonable adjustment is one that's used in the Equality Act 2010 to provide adjustments to people in the workplace who experience disabilities, the broad spectrum of disabilities, which includes in the UK mental ill health. And if you listen to any of the episodes from Disability History Month throughout the years, you will know that I talk about the fact that in law it is reasonable adjustments because it is all about reasonable, practicable adjustments. It's not asking organizations to knock down buildings and rebuild them. Although if you choose to do that and make sure they're accessible and usable, uh, do check out the episode on universal design if you want to know more about that. Um, But it's not what's reasonable in the eyes of you as a manager or HR. It's reasonable in terms of really practicable. But reasonable things are adjusting work hours, are letting people use assistive technology, are letting people take breaks. So I like to call them workplace adjustments because often people get caught up and they say, I don't think it's reasonable. Well, it's really not what you think is reasonable. It's about things, as I mentioned, working from home. So we're doing that a lot more with hybrid working, finding them a quiet work space they don't workplace adjustments do not have to be expensive in fact they usually are very cheap and they enable people to stay in work or have one foot in work and one foot in the recovery zone and be as productive as possible especially when shaped by the staff member and manager jointly and this is the whole thing it's about that conversation and that support also think about the wellness recovery action plan wrap mary ellen copeland so that is actually trademarked uh, mind have some really good templates they have one called a wap wellness action plan and if you join my mailing list and you get the mentally healthy leading manager ebook there is also a kind of template for a wellness action plan in there too and don't forget you can go through access to work and Remploy have a mentoring program that can really help with employees returning back to work or having a mentor outside the organization to help them with their mental health. And it's great having wraps or WAPs, but the key thing is make sure they're reviewed and updated and discussed in a positive way. And actually everyone could have one. So I know Mind, staff at Mind, they all have one because it's about everyone's wellness. So it doesn't single people out. It doesn't make people feel like they have to have a diagnosis to have one. We can all have things that work for us. And if someone does have to take time off of being sick, then remember that the phased return to work is key. And each organization will have their own policy. So if you're not part, if you don't know it or you haven't seen it, do check it out. Uh, Do talk to your manager or your HR team if you have any questions. Um, And then some pushback that some of you might be thinking, well, what if they really are faking it? As I said, it's very rare that someone will be fabricating mental illness, given that it's very difficult to feign the symptoms if you're not experiencing them. So, for example, if someone's experiencing depression, they may feel numb. Things that brought them enjoyment may not bring them enjoyment now. I think to fake those symptoms when you're not feeling that way is pretty tough and particularly faking those symptoms for a long period of time. So if as an organization, you've made workplace adjustments, you've used resources available, you've given it at least six months to embed those adjustments and enabled that person to get used to a new way of working, and you sense there's more to the story, of course, speak to the person. 
One example could be, and this is around physical health, but if someone's experiencing aches and pains and there's an ergonomic assessment and a desk assessment, again, trickier when we're working in a hybrid way, but there's no reason why someone can't have an assessment at home using a guide and videos. And those uh, ergonomic equipment is still not helping them. It's not about saying, oh, are you sure? I think that should really be helping you now. <laughs> but saying to someone, okay, we've tried this, what else can we do? What else do you think might be happening? And talking about it. So if you think that's the case, do speak to your HR team. And I've given an example of ergonomic side of things, but if it's to do with mental health, and we know that mental and physical health, of course, are not completely distinct. They overlap and they overlap significantly. But your people team, HR, whoever you have, should be able to provide further information and advice about next steps. I don't think this is, you know, it's not the greatest place to be for anyone, but for example, information about a capability review or ill health retirement, but hopefully it won't come to this if it's proactive and the support provided will enable the staff member to start and maintain their recovery journey or talk about what they need. It, like I said, it may not be mental ill health. It may be that things are going on. We think about the cost of living crisis. That's going to have a huge, that is having a huge impact on people's mental health, well-being. If you think Think about financial well-being that's going to have a significant impact so it is about creating positive work environment open systems systems that support rather than systems that stressed is the best way to ensure mental well-being for all is there a discussion about people faking mental ill health in your workplace if so you know why do you think that's the case i'd love to hear from you so when i share the podcast please do feel free to comment retweet me i will always message people who do that I hope you found this episode useful. And if this is your first show or you're a regular listener and you enjoyed this episode, why not leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast from, and you can leave a review. So don't forget, it is very unlikely that someone is faking mental ill health, but something might be going on. We use our common sense approach, ask open questions, listen to answers, make any workplace adjustments. And if they don't work or there's still some challenges, don't forget to reach out to the support you have in your workplace, check the policies, keep having those conversations and you can take it from there. But you know that you've done everything you can and you've done it in a step-by-step -step fashion. So are there any other topics you'd like me to talk about? I'd love to hear from you and you can leave me an anonymous message on my SpeakPipe. The link is in the show notes, but just in case it's bit.ly forward slash SPKPDMP. Until the next episode, everyone, take care. Thanks for listening to the Diverse Minds podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you access your podcasts from. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Tune into next week's episode of the podcast, where I'll bring you more insights on mental health and inclusion. Bye for now.